Jillian Pence Navalny. Oh, <laughs> Patrick Hines, I guess. Oh my God. Are you going to use that? Please use it. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm keeping okay, every second. Banana. Oh, we didn't do the. One, two, three. Banana. Whatever. God, this movie. I know. Wait, we're not there yet. We have, you guys, okay, we need to explain to you something about the time-space continuum. Right now, really? the live shows have happened. Oh, my God. But you guys, it's the past. You, we are coming to you from the past. Yes. You guys are in the future. Whoa. We don't know how they went. We don't know anything. This is why we're not like starting off the episode screaming about the live screaming shows. Screaming about the live show. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't. Guys. I like. I need to ground myself and get my bearings. You totally <laughs> mind effed me. <laughs> my guess is that they went great. You guys, if, but if you miss these live shows and you are bummed that you missed them, <laughs> go to our CS Live page. Our yes. tickets for our Pride show are on sale. Get them now. They're going fast. Uh, we're announcing tickets to our Chicago show, our New Orleans show, our Nashville show. Oh, big announcements coming down the pike. We're hitting the road. We I are know. actually taking the show on the road. <laughs> we're doing it. Um, you guys, our Patreon is going crazy. Oh, my God. The Get jinx. in there for the jinx. It's so bonkers. I freaking love the jinx. I know. <laughs> I love the jinx. I'm here for every bonkers second of it. Will you do another little Robert Durst for us? Sure. Yeah, it always goes back to the part where he's like, no, more like Bobby was forced <laughs> to hang with with Kathy's family. Because that was the time where, I, that was the first, I think that's yeah. why I always do that impression because that was the thing where I was like, is this guy fucking for real? <laughs> like, yeah, he murdered and dismembered somebody and admits yes. to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he admits to it. He yes. Does. This is not the staircase. No. We know what happened here. He did it. You guys, get into the Patreon. Oh, we're having so much fun. You know how to do it. You know where to find and it. And Making a Murderer is next. Yeah. Oh, so I can't get wait. ready. You guys, people are already talking about Making a Murderer, too. Should we just do them back to back? Yeah, we're just going to do Making a Murderer for the next 15 years. Kathleen Zellner, girl, call <laughs> me. Every every 18 episodes of the first Making a Murderer, I'm going to be like, where the fuck is she? Why is she not here? Remember how obsessed we were with Dean Strang and Jerry Budin? Yes. Now we're like, J- Dean and Jerry who? I know. Girl. What are we talking about today? Just tell the people. We're talking about my Amityville horror and also the movies called My Amityville Horror. <laughs> did you workshop that on the I way? I did it. I, it actually just occurred to me as the words were coming out of my mouth. Yeah. The thing is, of all the Halloween uh, docs we did, this is the one I hated the least. Oh, I hated them all equally. I, I know. I know. This one was at least interesting to me in terms of like the murders that happened. Well, it's nice to get back to murder. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think it's kind of a little mean. I think this is someone who is, is who has been traumatized who had a really bad childhood. Doesn't excuse anything, but he didn't kill anybody. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's kind of mean to exploit this person who's clearly struggling with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's play the trailer, yeah. and then we're going to talk about him at the top. Ugh. I believe that there is a such thing as evil, and I was a victim of that. On November 13th, 1974, the house at 112 Ocean Avenue, Amityville, became the site of a notorious mass murder. I didn't want to be the Amityville horror kid. I've been running away from it, and it finally caught up to me. Very shortly after moving in, the Lutz family claimed to have begun experiencing mounting paranormal phenomena. When I went in there, there was probably four or five hundred flies. And we're talking, this is mid-December in Long Island. The entire family is standing there watching the garage door slam up and slam down. And the dog is hanging himself. 
I had to speak to George and Sir. But at that point, he was your stepfather. You don't want to call him dad. You're not my father. He lived with adults who believed in the occult. You married this guy. You moved me to his house. What the hell is he into? They got very deep with something dark and something evil that they totally didn't understand. Satanic history, devil worship, mind control. I was possessed by a spirit that I could not get rid of on my own. I didn't care if the priests were beating me and performing exorcisms on me, which, if I'm not mistaken, they don't want to talk about. When the stories start to change, then it's time to become suspicious. The sensation felt by Steve Petropoulos, our cameraman. He was overcome by something. This is one of the pictures that their photographer took that night. There were no children and no animals in the house that night. We remember bits and pieces of experience, but we'll fill in the gaps in our memory. Maybe this is just manifestations. Maybe you imagined all of this. I just wanted somebody to believe me. Show me the evidence. What took place in that house was a, a true personification of evil. Okay, let's I, just to get this out of the way, because if you haven't seen my Amityville Horror, and really there's no reason to. I mean, save yourself. <laughs> Go watch the jinx, you guys. Go watch the jinx. Let's talk a little bit about our protagonist. Yeah, Daniel Lutz. Yeah, he was one of the the Lutz kids who lived in this house in Amityville. So like, he experienced this Amityville Horror, whether it was real or not, when he was a little kid. Yeah, so if you guys don't know, the Amityville Horror has become like actually the stuff of legends. There was a murder yeah. that happened in this house in the 70s, and this guy killed his whole family in his in their sleep. Which I've got a lot of questions about. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to like the yeah. details of what happened, but there was a, a very gruesome murder in the in this house and then these were the people who who first moved into it after that happened got that house for a steal a got steal. it for a song yeah <laughs> totally like because they were like oh someone was murdered great yeah. or like a whole bunch of people were murdered great and so the amityville horror kind of became this thing because according to this family every single horrible paranormal phenomena that could happen right. happened supposedly to this family in this you house. think that house in indiana had a portal to hell you guys just Wait. Yeah, interestingly enough, no other people who've lived in the house have reported anything <laughs> weird. Like uh, the doors don't even creak. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's kind of boring. Totally. Kind of boring you know, house. I we drove I drove out to that house once. Everyone has. <laughs> Everyone at least in the tri-state area, 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. What are you crazy? My friend Sarah and I, we I was like the first time I the first and only time I've ever owned a car. Were you dressed as an indigo girl? <laughs> Without a guitar, <gasps> that would have made sets. it so. No, but I'm sure that we were listening to the Indigo Girls. I thought the whole it was way. Halloween themed. <laughs> no, but we got out there, and I'll tell you, like you drive right up to the house, you can't miss it. I mean, it's like it's there, man. But the thing that strikes me about this house, like I've said in other episodes of uh, like things similar, yeah, it is four feet from its nearest neighbor. Yeah, well, you would think that if every single demon it uh, known to man was right. was there, you'd hear it too. That's the other thing. You'd hear or the maybe screams, they'd come up through hear... other basements. Sure, sure, sure. If maybe they'd like get a... lost. Like yeah, there would be just like traffic a... in the pipeline from hell. A, a drive by haunting <laughs> or whatever. Just like, oh shit, wrong house. Sorry. <laughs> they come up at like one eleven. Oh sorry. Rough crowd. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to say, so this movie is like the protagonist of this documentary is Daniel, modern day Daniel. She is a mess. Yeah. Um she's intense. She's super intense, very um anti- Antagonistic aggressive. and aggressive and argumentative. Yeah. And got just, that bald guy head sweat thing that I hate. And plays guitar with sunglasses on. <laughs> it's it's not easy to, to tell somebody how you got thrown up at staircase. 
It's not easy to tell somebody that your bed was bouncing off the ceilings because the headboard posts are jammed into the sheetrock. We got stench, and we got black toilets, and we got thousands of flies. This is just like like a fucking carnival, man. I just downed a Red Bull Chardonnay. Yeah. Oh, I know. I saw. I was here. <laughs> but, I mean, God, does it get gayer than a Red Bull Chardonnay? It, it certainly doesn't, girl. <laughs> You're a PQ right now. But the, the, the reason we're talking to him is because he's the guy, even though he doesn't want to be known as the Amityville guy, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll sit and talk to you about it for an hour Yeah, and a half. you can make a documentary about they, me called yeah. My Amityville Horror, but he, I do not want to be associated right, with Right, right, and he's like, I really hate, why are you making me talk about it? No oh one's making you, girl. I know, I know. You signed the paperwork. Yeah. I'd rather you not talk about it, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I'd rather have this 90 minutes of my life back, but here I am. <laughs> it's My Amityville Horror. All right, so... The first thing, I guess this guy, Daniel, I guess for the purposes of this movie, he's sitting down with this psychiatrist. Right. Um, <laughs> she, Susan Bartell. Oh, my God. Is she okay? So he, you guys, talk about aggressive. All right. Be- before we really get into, like, okay. all the happy stuff here, okay. I don't know you. Okay, you go ahead. You don't know me. You're right. And I kind of need to know a couple okay. of things about you. You got it. Because I'm not one to just sit in down okay. and start sharing stories. Okay. I I that's totally respect that. All right. So go ahead. I kind of need to know, like, what's the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, my God. He's yelling at her. Yeah. And before he's like, well, before we get started, what's the most traumatic thing that's happened to you? I couldn't believe that he did that. I'm like, did you just, like, Brett Kavanaugh this? I know. <laughs> and then like, she was super about? there for the question. She's like, oh, let me think about it. Right. And she's like, well, I'd have to say moving. Right. I moved once. <laughs> I think the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me was moving when I was 13 from one country to another. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then he yells at her about how, like, how dare she not have a, tra- a more traumatic childhood totally. just like he did. And she basically has to, like, explain to him how therapy works. Right. She has to say, like, I don't have to have gone through every single thing that every client of mine has got, or patient has gone through. I'm just here to talk you through. That's what I, that's what I do. And he's, like, saying to her, he's so mean to her. We see her yeah. throughout. He is screaming at her. Yeah. She is, you can see in her face that she's like, oh, shit, I'm on camera. She is like sit she's holding she's trying so to hold nice. her ground she's so nice. but like he's getting closer and she's not backing away and he's doing this thing that stupid broy men do where he tries to make himself like taller than her yes. and more imposing and suddenly he's like like sitting up off the chair a little bit and right. I'm like girl sit your ass actually sit your ass fucking down <laughs> take, take several seats S- seriously yeah it was we will come back to her but it's terrifying to watch yeah but I, it makes me think that she's really really good at her job yeah totally <laughs> I wanted to look her up you know she's got some like amazing website from 1999 yes absolutely you know I mean? not a question in my mind there's music that plays when you go to it that you can't turn off oh susan the worst where it's like enter here why do you remember that was the big thing click You're to like, enter I'm already at the website and i want to enter i'm here click to enter remember oh god everyone was such a nightmare websites <laughs> So you guys, hey girl, um, they're in Whitestone. That's where I grew up. I was thinking that. Yeah. Whitestone's a pretty cool place. It's uh, got that old small town charm. I know, I'm going to say 50% of the neighborhood on a first name basis. That was one of the reasons I was able to stick around in this town after the movies came out and everything went public. Yeah. He knows 50% of the people. Does he know your family? Yeah. I- know uh daniel lutz back in the day <laughs> he's like 
know, you know, it, it's got that small town vibe. It's Queens. <laughs> what are you talking about? You ever see the Amityville Horror Guy at the Dinah? At the Dinah? <laughs> Go to the LCU over there. Go to the Dinah. <laughs> So we get his, we get sort of like the backstory, right? Like his parents got married when they were very young. They were high school sweethearts. Well, uh, he was one of those prom backseat incidences. <laughs> Not sure what that word is, but basically, they like did it in the back of the car on prom night, and there's Daniel. Yeah, and they ha- he's got like a brother and a sister, and like his stupid garbage dad. Apparently, like they get divorced, and the dad just like disappears. So his mom met George Lutz. Oh wait. <laughs> George was an ex-Marine, recently divorced, owned a house, had a carry permit, had choppers and family business and boats and Corvettes and, you know, he, he was very well-to-do guy. This guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's totally a piece of shit. The guy who played him in the movie was way hotter than the guy in real life. And this is what doesn't make any sense. George agrees to marry the mother. Right. But only if he can adopt all of the kids with the full-on name and social security number change so that they're basically his property. Right. He wants everything to be... He wants the house in his name. Everything needs to also be on paper. Everything. Yeah. And... and Daniel, what kind of garbage dad is just like, okay, sure. I know. Yeah, he wasn't going to put his name and label on something that wasn't ultimately his. You know, that's when I just started destroying this guy's world every opportunity that I walked into. Laura, the investigative reporter. Laura Dido. Laura stays with us. I do love Laura. Laura. Laura also like asks tough questions. I like her. Uh, Yeah, no, no. She gets to the bottom of it, or she tries to, but she also (laughs) says six times, this was not the Brady Bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put it this way. I don't think it was the Brady Bunch. I I think that there was some natural tension there because this was a, you know, it was a stepfather. Danny was was naturally more taciturn, more self-contained. But he was always watching, and he was always very, very aware of what was going on. Laura's big story is that she was a local reporter who, like, weirdly had a lot of connections to, like, paranormal, like, psychics and stuff. Yeah, like, she was an investigative reporter, and I guess what she was investigating was a lot of, like, demonology kind of things. And and she comes into the life of the Lutz family after they've left the house. We'll get to it, but they were only in the Amityville house for 28 days. Yeah. So she's observing them, and she's talking about how, like, the kids, you know, the kids saw her, she was around, but she earned the trust of the Lutz family because she was able to connect them to, what are their names? Oh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, who are like big, famous, and we'll get to them. Yeah, yeah, They're like big, famous para... para they're paranormal investigators. They're demonologists. They're they're super famous. They're, uh, they did the, they're mo- mo- most well-known for the Amityville Horror case. Yeah. The, co- the movies, The Conjuring, yeah. based on uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they're, um, they used to do like these speaking tours and like the, the Vatican would go to them and be like, can you, can you, Pull an exorcism over there for us. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Ed Warren is one of the only, like, like non-priests or whatever that's been granted permission to do an exorcism or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're super, super big time in this world. So, what happens is, this, our, our reporter friend Laura connects the um, the Lutzes to them. Right. And so, the Lutzes are like, in return, you can have every exclusive. So, now we get, like, the, ba- the, the DeFeo story. This is, yeah. like, the actual murder that happened in that house before the Lutzes moved in. 
On November 13, 1974, the house at 112 Ocean Avenue, Amityville, became the site of a notorious mass murder. 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot to death his father, mother, two brothers, and two sisters with a 35 caliber Marlin rifle. All six victims were discovered by police face down in their beds, apparently unmoved, and each murdered while sleeping. Yeah, it's it's horrible. I mean, this guy. And Ron- I have questions about it. The thing that's crazy about it is that the toxicology report shows that there was no drugs in their system. They weren't drugged. Yeah, and there was no silencer on the gun. He shot them with a rifle. Right. Like, how are you going to kill all of these people in that house, and it's not going to wake everybody else up? Yeah. So there are a lot, just a lot of questions about this. And uh, could he have acted alone? Probably not. Right. I mean, yeah. you'd think that some. I no, don't the know. demons in the basement helped him. Right. The portal they to hell. Right. Of course. <laughs> Of course. Keep forgetting about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the basement under the stairs. The Lutz family purchased the house at the reduced price of $80,000. Very shortly after moving in, the family claimed to have begun experiencing mounting paranormal phenomena. Here's my question. Yeah. Even if the house is $80,000 back Uh in whatever, you know, whatever year this was. Mid-70s-ish. Would you ever move into a house where all of those people had been murdered? Would you do it? No. No, I wouldn't, but not because I, just because the vibe and energy, I'm a big like energy person. Yeah. I'm like a nutcase about that kind of stuff. But like, I, I not because I think that I'm going to be haunted necessarily, but just like, how do you I go right to haunting. Like, I know, I, you I know. You know, just like, like the whole energy. But you know what? Look, after the Lutz has left, five more, five <laughs> more families have lived in that house since. So people but are maybe, okay with it. Maybe it takes that one family to break in the demons. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but they also have not reported any demons. <laughs> no other family other than the Lutzes. So. Yeah, so we see the Lutzes on a talk show. On their press tour, of course. But they don't yeah. don't call them the Amityville <laughs> family. <laughs> they are so sad. Like, the clothes are oh, so awful. Totally. His facial hair is so awful. Yeah, George is a nightmare. Yeah. Well, at first, just moving into the house was fine. It's a lovely house. Yeah. And we enjoyed moving in. Within a week, Kathy's hand had been touched by something that we discussed and couldn't explain. It was just something unseen. We also had uh, hordes of flies that would appear within two rooms. And no matter how many times we would kill them, they would reappear. Then George tells this story. And we'll get back to it because Danny tells us his version of the story. They're two completely different stories. <laughs> but George's story about the hands being mushed. Oh, yeah. So someone, he's like, yeah, you know, one of my kids. We don't know that it's Daniel. We'll get to that later. Yeah. So he tells a story about how, like, the hands, like, someone's hands were on the windowsill and the window slams down and (laughs) it was mushed in such a way (laughs) that the hand was deformed. But then suddenly, like that, hands were fine. Right. This is very reminiscent of CPS worker number two from that demon house. Sure. Absolutely. Also, not a picture. There's not a picture in sight. No. I know it's the 70s. There weren't video cameras, really, but like not a single picture of any of this. Well, it's just they they cover their tracks by being like, oh, and then it went back to normal instantly. Right, totally. So you just have to take my word for it. Also, the red eyes and the groping and the flies and the this (laughs) and the that. Okay. All right. So now Laura and Danny are hanging out. Laura, the reporter. Yes. So this is modern day. Yeah. Laura's whole thing is like she hasn't seen Danny since he was a kid. It will be interesting to see what Danny feels after all these years. And what's also, I think, fascinating is how much of what he remembers actually happened and how much does he think happened She's so smart because she believes in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But she's also like, I, it'll be interesting to see what he remembers sure. versus what really happens. Exactly. I love that was my favorite line. Yeah. 
Yeah, and because that's what the rest of the movie is. Right. His memory and then her being like, well, <laughs> that's it for 90 minutes. So Danny Danny tells the story of moving day, right? Yeah. This is this is really shitty. And then, you know, mom leans into the car and says, you know, there's something I want you guys to know that, you know, there was a family that was murdered here and within that very same two minutes asked us if she thought that that was going to bother us. Oh, by the way, kids, eight people were murdered here. Are you cool with that? Do you still want to live here? Yeah, first of all, you don't have a choice. Right. We're moving in. <laughs> so anyway, so he tells a story about how, like, the family had, like, this priest over to bless the house, which is something that happens all the time. Yeah. Especially a house that, like, eight people just got murdered in. I know, let's, I know. Let's bless it twice. A hundred percent. Like, whatever you got to do, man. Yeah. Like, I'm here for that. So... He starts to, he's like, within a couple hours, I just felt really weird. <laughs> oh, oh, we got a Danny impression. Okay, Danny. <laughs> like, me too. Whatever, man. And then, like, Father Father Ray, the priest that they have, like, leaves. Like, he turns around and leaves. Like, kind of in a huff. According to Danny. Yeah. Right? Subsequently, the next box was to go up to the playroom. And when I went in there, there was probably four or five hundred flies. And we're talking, this is mid-December in Long Island. And, you know, I started yelling. And Mom came running upstairs, and she started screaming and getting nervous. And it finally started clicking in her mind. I'm not sure what it was, why Father Ray had just left. And he starts screaming, and everyone's screaming, apparently. Again, the people four, four feet away. Yeah. Yeah, the neighbors heard I'm screaming heard in the future, yeah. Yeah, neighbors heard nothing. Right. Um, and then, apparently, the flies just vanished. Right. And he was like, I remember hitting them with the newspaper, and the newspaper's gone, and all this stuff. And then, like, then apparently the mother was like, what did you do, Danny? Like, then it's Danny's fault. And I'm like, is this The Shining? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Nothing makes sense, and I don't believe a word he says. I believe no. he believes a good amount of it. I just don't believe him. Now we learn that George, the stepfather, was super, super abusive to the kids. Yes. And Which, the mother. Again, it's like, why did you want the kids? I don't understand. I know. Because some people like that shit. Some people are just like evil to the core and just like want to be mean. Violence was commonplace. And they said that at one point that he took wooden spoons to you and your brother and sister um, and beat them with it one night and ordered you guys around the house like drill sergeants. Yeah, well, that happened probably 50 times after that, too, so it's... Uh, did, it happen it before, did it happen before you moved into the house? It happened a couple of times in George's house before we moved to Amityville. Do you think... Because he had no parent skills and he was only ever a, you know, a Marine. That's how we knew how to handle things. Okay, so now we're back at the therapist's office. He's yelling again. This poor woman is just like sitting there. And she just keeps trying to like smile through it, the poor thing. Yeah. She's like, so what Like, what else have you seen in the house, yeah. Danny? And he's like, well, uh, I, how about that time where I saw a cartoon character of an angry pig with wolf-like teeth and laser beam red eyes? <laughs> She's like, how do you tell me more about that? And then he like runs up to the room and there's like a rocking chair just like rocking on its own. Right, and then he's like, the dog was trying to hang itself on its leash? I know. Leave the dog. Out of it. I don't want to have to say it again. He tells this whole crazy story about like how the whole family was just standing there watching the the garage door open and close and open and close. This is not something that just one person saw. The entire family is standing there watching the fucking garage door slam up and slam down and slam up and slam down. And the dog is fucking hanging himself. 
So I would go out there with George. He would pick me up and I would do, I would be hanging off one side of the door and he would be pulling down on the other side of the door and we'd get it and we'd lock everything back up with the hasps. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like this little, this community, I've been there. Like it, the houses are so close to each other. If this garage door is opening, opening and slamming 100%. and opening and slamming, everybody, Mrs. Peterson across the way would be out with her mask, mud mask uh-huh. on and in her bathrobe. Yeah, with the her hair in a Hair in a, in a towel. top knot. In a towel. <laughs> yeah. She had to take the cucumber off her eye. <laughs> Nosy neighbor Brenda with her martini. Yes. She's been staring with binoculars the whole night. At which, the- which one of those two women poisoned the kids for being too old to take trick or treat? <laughs> the lady with the martini definitely. Definitely thought totally. the promo pads was totally. hilarious. She's she's sprinkled some some kind of pill on that martini. hundred percent. Extra dry. <laughs> How do we get her to be our best friend? Oh my god. I don't we made her up, so we can find a drag queen or someone who could do it. <laughs> It, this is the other thing. It's like every single bad thing that could have happened, it all happened to one house. I know. Aren't demons kind of like, don't they focus on one thing? Either they're going to possess you, or the chair is going to rock, or I there's going to be the angry pig with red eyes, or there's like all of them. So then it's like Danny now s- says the window story from earlier, right? Uh-huh. With the mushed hands or whatever. Mush. <laughs> like, they didn't have a, like a press rehearsal of like how to deal with interviews mushed. Okay, you right. guys, this is, goes on for ninety minutes. This is the thing. As they're looking at his hands, Danny's Danny's saying back in the seventies, right? Yeah. As the family's like, look at his mushed hands. They're all sitting in the kitchen eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right. looking at his hands, and he's like, suddenly a spirit slowly opens the door, walks into the kitchen, knocks over the PB and J's, and just sits right down. Danny is furious, just reliving it. He's so mad. I'm just, I just got to spit this out, all right? A fucking spirit comes into the house, into the room, through the door, bumps into my mother, walks through my hands, like this, that are hanging off the table, knocks the peanut butter and jelly knife down onto the floor, and sits down in this spot here. And then he's like, why are you making me talk about it? No one's making you well, do anything. Well, our friend, the reporter, is like, she wants specifics. Uh-huh. Did you hear a humming, a buzzing? What kind of noise? So it just sat there or something made an impression on the seat? Yes. What did you guys do? Uh, we stood. Most people would be out of the she, house yes, by this well, point. Yes, well, I, I, Mom, can I have the ice, you know? and uh, What happened specifically? We're doing this, and she's wrapping my hands, and in that three seconds it took to look back, it was gone. Like, he just wants to be like, can't you just believe I was possessed by every kind of demon ever? And everyone's like, no! But it's like a scene out of Harry Potter. I was like, wait, what did this demon look like? Yeah, no, he has no, was it the angry pig with wolf-like teeth and laser laser red eyes? Or like, who was it? It floats into the room, knocks over the peanut butter and jelly knife. That's my favorite other, the detail he could never let go of. No, that PB&J. Don't mess with it. And so the thing is, like, Laura the reporter is just like, well, so you guys just like, stood there and like watched it because most people would just run like there would be an everyone shaped hole in the door but you guys just sat there and like looked at it did you offer it the peanut butter and jelly like what is happening did you get it a cocktail like he's super mad I know he's so mad then Danny tells another story just like another incident he talks about this time that he was actually possessed oh god I had just gotten in a fight with George about I don't even remember anymore. 
So by the time I got to the second landing of the the last thing to the third floor, my I I was projected up the stairs into the wall, and my mother was like 15 feet behind me. So he gets to the top of the stairs and he like sees a demon and the demon sort of like passes through him. Yeah, he's like you he describes what it's like to feel a demon like be in your body. Like <laughs> You were trying you. to say that the least sexual way. 100%. <laughs> Do you see my eyes be like, mm, I don't want to say in him. <laughs> Shit. It entered into me, through me. And if I have to describe what it felt like, it would be like the numbness after being shocked. And from somewhere in the room, it said, it is you. He tries to describe being possessed. I just, I don't buy it. Possessed. Like having a demon like take over your body and then just whisper, it is you and then like leave. I don't understand. I know, I know, I know. You guys, again, remember all of this happened in a span of 28 days. 28 days. Also, 28 days, like 40 years ago. There's no way, even if every single one of these things happened, there's no way he would have like a vivid memories of of 40 years ago when he was like eight years old. Yeah. No. No, no, no. no. So now we're we're talking to like some, we're talking to people who were there in the 70s because it was Laura, the reporter's job to get this like team of demonologists, these like like, people who were going to fight it, including the Warrens and all these people. My assignment that Saturday night in March 1976 was to stay in the house and report on any unusual activity. A number of psychics, parapsychologists, clairvoyants, and a demonologist were also there to determine once and for all if the house was possessed by some demonic force, as George and Kathy Lutz suggested the Channel 5 News a month earlier. If there was a demonic force in the house that March night, it certainly did not manifest itself physically while I was there. So they're they're having this like round table, right? And they have this like newsman there who this guy you can tell he's like a local reporter. And he, was he the guy who was like, "Look, we don't have to go through our resumes. We were all there. We all spent a lot of time in the house. I was there the night of the murder. Okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. We were all there." <laughs> and again, it's these people who are like, yeah, we've been invited back by every family who's lived in this house ever since. And like nary, like the wind doesn't even blow when you open the window. Yeah, yeah, it's super boring. It's like the most boring house in uh, What a snooze I still fest. never want to go inside. However, there was that one picture that Lorraine Warren took with that little boy. The sewing room was the room which supposedly, as the story has it, where the demonic force was supposed to be the strongest. Now, Lorraine Warren and I and you, we went upstairs and we sat in the sewing room. We had a candle going and I remember Lorraine, that she had never felt such a force that she felt that night. It was like feeling like she was in hell. Lorraine also produced a photograph in which she claims that there is the image of a boy. This is one of the pictures that their photographer took that night. You and I both know that there were no children and no animals in the house that night. Who the fuck was that? Can you Photoshop in the 70s? I, I'm saying, so, okay, Lorraine Warren, we're going to get to her in just a minute. Girl, I have so much to say about her. So Lorraine Warren was, like like you were saying, the famous lady from the 70s. They show this picture that she took that is just made up. Yeah. There's a, like, everyone's saying, we know there was no children in the house that night. We know there was, there was no animals or children in the house. Yet there's this photo with clearly a little boy in it. Yeah. And it's just made up. So you think that it, it's one of the kids? Or, like, what do you think, who do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) 
But it's not a ghost. I mean, I know for sure it's not a fucking child ghost. Yeah, I just want to know how they did it because there was no Photoshop in the 70s. I just want to know how it happened. I don't know. But, like, do I believe that this thing crawled under, like, the hell pipeline up through their demon basement and, like, made its way up to the room the night that all the parapsychologists were there and then posed for this picture? No. No. No, no bitch. No bitch. <laughs> It's time just, we got to get to it. Okay. So, once again, the Warrens are these, like, apparently these, like, really famous... Paranormal demons. Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, I didn't know they were still alive. Ed's not. Lorraine is. Yeah. So, they... So, the journalist, Laura, takes Danny to go see Lorraine Warren at her home in Connecticut. Oh, my God. How are you? It's so nice to see you. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I'm well. Thank you. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. Good. Glad to be here. Oh, it's good to see you. Couple things to say about this woman right at the top. Number one, she's 800 years old. She's (laughs) That's my impression of what happens in Lorraine's house because people are talking and trying to explain things. You guys are roosters. No, there'll never be. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit right now, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. He was a man amongst men. She's got roosters in the kitchen. We're going to get to them in a second. Lorraine Warren looks like a million bucks. She's 800 years old. Mm-hmm. She, her hair is in exactly the same, like, hairdo Probably. as in all of the pictures from the 70s. Same outfit. Or, same or outfit. Too. Yeah. She is 1 million percent the old nice witch lady who lives down the street. Well, the thing is, they have this museum of all the things that they've, like, taken and or that yeah. were possessed and demolished. She lives in the museum. She, you guys, she's a witch. With like, the roosters. Helena Bonham Carter is going to play her in something. She's right out of Into the Woods. Yeah. But, like, she's so nice and warm and inviting. Until she's not. We'll get to oh my- we'll get there. <laughs> Okay. So they start talking, and the one thing that I will say is that Danny, who's like the super intense, super angry oh guy, is very deferential to her. I was just gonna say he defers to her all the time. Yeah, he he totally calms down. He sings. He's the first woman we see him talking to in this movie that he doesn't want to punch. Well, you know why? Because she totally believes him. Yes, yes. And she believes in all of this, and she thinks of well, of course that happened to you. Yeah, of course I was there. I exercised the house. It's- the roosters are named Einstein. He has a girlfriend, wife, partner, whatever, named Lady Jane. They do not stop crowing. And Einstein has an identical twin, but we don't get his name, unfortunately. It's a, We do know it's a he. She takes them down. Like, the roosters are just... Erring I thought the they only thing. did that at sunrise. Is that like a stereotype? Am I like not all roosters? Is this a- some of my best friends are roosters, Jillian? <laughs> I'm sorry. Hashtag not all roosters. <laughs> sorry, everybody. So they go into the kitchen. Oh god, this gets so intense and so stupid. They sit down at the table and they're just talking, and she tells this like this very sweet story about how like back in the 70s when she wanted to get the story from the kids yeah she'd ask the mom if she could take the kids for a walk on the beach yeah and we let you guys talk and we remember this and they went about the noises and they were talking about how he would stand at the top of the stairs and and yell and scream about marching bands that were downstairs and rugs were all rolled up. She took them out of this obviously very toxic environment to get them to open up. Yeah. And I think Danny is retreating back to that. I think he's back to being a nine-year-old. He felt safe with her, and I think that's really what this all is. Yeah. But the, like, at the most, like, traumatic sentence, it's like, ah, ah, ah. 
And I'm I like, will never get enough of you. And doing nobody that. acknowledges it. Like nobody skips a beat. He's just like, I was beating a trap. And you're just like, wait a second. Like she's not like, yeah, you know, they the roosters crow. No one looks up. No one blinks. You know, Laura's like, we're getting the roosters, right? Are you picking up the roosters? Okay. There's so many things about this. So Lorraine's like, you know, it, you had a very traumatic childhood, but you know, you never lashed out or did anything bad. Danny looks to the camera with the shit-eating grin like, if you only knew, Lorraine. What did he do? This entire scene, he's Jim from The Office. He is mugging to the camera, like, in that that face of, like, I'll I'll never tell. Yeah, yeah. Like, he does it 800 times in this scene. Yeah, but, and you would think that if he did all this bad shit as a kid, like, he'd want to brag about it. He's that type of guy, and we don't don't hear it. So it's like, I don't believe that look either now. Oh, I know. I don't believe the words or the looks. I know. So then he's like, you know, by the time I was 15 or 16, I was, I was, like, out doing my own thing Lorraine is appalled by this she's like where you were what where did you go she cannot handle the fact that he like left the house so but okay. at that point were you I was already gone for years at that time and uh you were gone yeah where were you doing my own thing the thing is, he won't tell her. Like, he's lying. It's not true. Right. So he's like, she's like, where do you, what? Where did you go? And he's just like, uh, the, the desert. He made it. He, 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 the desert occurred to him in that very moment. Tell me differently. Don't. Did you live in the desert? Yeah, I did. How did I you? stayed with friends. Friends stayed with me. It took a while. You know, it's, it's very easy to be homeless in the desert. It's, it's actually quite accommodating. Doesn't get cold. You know, yeah, well, it gets like, cold at night. But yeah, that's okay. Roast in the, di- yeah. in the daytime. Yeah. There's a lot of good food out there, too. I don't know, man. I don't think Danny lived in the desert. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just don't believe a goddamn word no, he says. everything he says is a lie. Everything he says is a and lie. And the way he fights her on it, he's like, I'm not that cold. It gets freezing <laughs> in the desert at, at night. Yeah, no. And what are you eating, cacti? <laughs> and then, like, so we we leave Lorraine for a second, right. and we, we're back to this poor therapist. Give her a raise. I don't know who does it, but give her a raise. And he, then, now, like, the story has changed. He was 13 and a half when he left. Right. Now, suddenly. Right. Exactly. And she goes, where? She asks where? Yeah. And he's like, that's not the point. <laughs> it's not about where I am. It's not about where I went. I be in the back parking lot behind the dumpster and okay. be the happiest son of a bitch okay. because nobody's bothering so you were me. Still... It wasn't about where. Okay. You know, it, with me, it's never about where I am. Ah, okay. And I'm like, well, it is the point. It is about where you are if you have to leave where you are to go somewhere else. So where you are actually means a great deal to you. Totally. Clearly, if you're making up all of these stories about leaving. But then he's 13 and a half. And he's, but he didn't even really leave. He's like telling the story about like, now he's just like living behind the dumpster. Right. And he's like, you know, it took, uh, took a couple days of convincing my mother. But eventually she made me a couple of peanut butter jelly sandwiches, gave me some clean socks and sent me on my way. <laughs> and the therapist is like, wow, that's, uh, that's uh, uh, brave of her. I know. And he's like, pretty cool. Cool, huh? <laughs> Are you kidding? This poor therapist wants this hour to be up so She's just bad. trying not to get beat up. We all want this hour to be up. Oh, girl, girl. So now we're back to Lorraine. We're back at Lorraine's house. Lorraine is now almost like... Maybe because she's so receptive to energies or whatever, but now she's like taking Danny's aggression on a little yeah, bit. Totally, totally, totally. Because suddenly, like she turned the car around and she's like, Is there anyone here who does not believe in God? I'm like, Where the f- how did we get here? Whoa. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> what? Um, 
Is, is there anybody here that does not believe in God? And immediately I'm like, this is going to be bad. This is going to be super. This is just going to explode in front of all of our faces. So then for some, like, some dummy speaks up. Well, because Danny's got his head in his hands. And he knows, apparently, about the filmmaker. Because he's like, you better chime in now. Because I'm going to call you out on it. Who? You. What's your answer? And the guy in the nicest, most like benign way is like, you know, I haven't had the experiences that you have. I'm still finding my way. That is an excellent answer. Totally. An excellent answer. Danny is furious. (laughs) Danny is like, what does that mean? What does that mean, bro? I'm like, oh my God, the Red Bull just kicked in. Oh my God, what is happening? So then Lorraine suddenly like pulls out a relic from the from the actual, according to Lorraine, the cross that Jesus Christ was crucified on. And she's like, I don't really know how respectful it is to have someone here who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. Can we take a quick pause? Because, okay, I gave this a goog because I... I'm really fascinated by the world of relics. Yes, of course. So, like, everywhere you look to find a definition of the true cross, it, it qualifies every definition by saying, in the Roman Catholic tradition, Sure, okay. this is a piece of a relic. No, the fact that you, you told me earlier that her husband was working with the Vatican, because I was like, you can't just get that. Right. Like, that's not something that sure. you can buy on eBay. And I'm not making a joke. I'm uh, being right. serious. Right, yeah, like, you, of course not. The people who really believe this is from the cross, but, like, the- if they had ties to the Vatican, that made it a little realer for yeah. me. So, anyway. So she pulls out this relic. Danny cannot believe it. This is the ultimate gym because he mouths wow <laughs> to the camera. You can't hear it. I just whispered it. And you can't play it. No, because right, yeah, it's yeah. silent. But he literally looks around and mouths the most like over exaggerated wow. Like, I know. Oh my God. But like And she is going on and on about how like it's so disrespectful to be struggling with your faith like in her presence. I know. And Laura so, sets her straight. Laura is a hero, 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 hero bell hero. in this moment. Yeah. Because she's she's like, Lorraine, can we not? <laughs> this is not productive. This is not helpful. Well, Lorraine, as another Roman Catholic who believes, certainly Jesus was confronted with doubters, I, doubting Thomas. Doubting so him. she says like Thomas or whatever, like the times were doubt. And Lorraine's like, that's right, Tommy. That's right. Tommy. <laughs> Girl. You're, you're like, she's she's the anti-Zach Baggins or Baggins or whatever the fuck his name is, where it's like, you know, I kind of know uh, kind of know some demons. Tommy, she's calling saints and apostles by their nicknames. Give me a break. You guys, the crows will not stop. The crows, the rooster. I am. But it's they're crowing as she's like, look at these relics. How respectful is it to have a rooster crowing? Okay. Here's. There is the wood. Then she pulls out, like, another relic. It's, like, a lock of hair from Padre Pio. I looked him up. He's, like, from modern times-ish. Yeah. So he's, like, was made the same. But she was saying it was, like, a lock of his hair that she, nobody knew, but she had it with her in the house in the 70s. Right. And then he appeared to her. Mm -hmm. Of course he did. She's Lorraine fucking Warren. (laughs) So Laura, the journalist, sits Danny down, finally, and is like, girl, level with me. (laughs) You had a bad childhood. (laughs) It's not unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah, yeah. have bad childhoods all the time. And Danny's like, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. And the more dysfunctional it got, the worse the possessions got. And she's like, did you feel like the energy was feeding off of your aggressions, tensions? Yes. Yes, I 
that's come up many times in lifelong therapy, yes. And has anybody ever said to you, okay, Danny, maybe this is just manifestations. Maybe you imagined all of this. Yeah, maybe it was in the Kool-Aid too, right? Well, what do you say when somebody says that to you? I get up and I walk out. End of discussion. So it's like, okay, so then you just won't, you just completely shut down and won't hear any... It's so out of the realm of possibility that people are going to not believe that a demon threw you up the stairs. I know. That in your tiny little community, your garage door was slamming up and down the in the middle of the night. The red the cartoon angry pig. The cartoon, the cartoon pig. pig that lives in your sister's bedroom? Yeah, the, fly, the 500 flies right. that would just appear and disappear. No. The thing is, though, like, he's so frustrated because he believes it. I think there's a part of him that's like... Mm. But he's too. Far, he's in it now. Yeah, yeah, he can't yeah, go yeah. back. Right. Okay. So then you guys were getting to the end. I promise. Uh, and we're never doing another Halloween movie ever again. Oh God. We now are getting the account of the night that the Lutzes fled their home. I'm going to say it again, you guys. They were in this house for 28 days. Yeah. And this is the thing. This story is so. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So he says that he and his brother shared a levitation experience. <laughs> so we would be like toe to toe that way in the room when you walk in. We both woke up that our headboards, our, our footboards were, were smashing each other and banging off the ceiling. All the way off the floor. They were 13 feet off the floor. Yeah, and then the beds were banging into each other yeah. and also the wall and the ceiling. And that's when crazy evil George was like, hmm, right, maybe we should go. George was having his own experience at the same moment. On the last night that we were in there, the boys beds were being lifted up and slammed down overhead of me, but I could not get up out of bed. Kathy levitated, and I had to grab her to keep her from going off the bed. This is after she had turned into an, an old crone, a, a really ugly old woman that literally took hours and hours for it to go away. An old crone, a real ugly old woman, he says. <laughs> Excuse you, George. You're a monster. And he says it took hours for it to go away. Yeah. Can you imagine? You're just you're so used to this shit happening. You're like, well, how long is it going to take for this one to wear off? I know. Her with the with the crone shit uh. again. And then I guess they like packed their shit and like ran off into the night. Yeah, there's all these stories about how they tried to use the phone to call Father Ray and there was all, always like static or they couldn't get to him. And then finally they got to him and Father Ray's like, then why are you there? Get out. And they're like, oh, yeah. Because she's still a crone. Will she I be less be of seen, a crone? I can't be seen with this one. <laughs> I want to come through your hair. But then it's like, whatever the reason, they did flee this house in the middle of the night 28 days later. And Danny is talking about how, like, I didn't know we weren't coming. I was nine. Yeah. They leave in their pajamas yeah. and just get in the car and drive away. And just drive away. <laughs> and that's it. And then the bank foreclosed on the house. Right. No one was working. And they moved to California. My favorite is the way this ridiculous document, which, again, I didn't hate this documentary. I thought parts of it were really interesting. <sighs> but it ends with... Danny sitting at the table looking at the filmmaker who's just asking him if he'll take a polygraph test. Would you be willing to submit to a lie detector test, a polygraph? Um, is there something that that little electronic device is going to tell you that you're going to believe more than me? Yeah, what is that? Oh, I'm just, I'm listening to you. What, what would you and I'm waiting for you to answer me. Well, it's a, I mean, would you or would you not? Yeah. <laughs> Now, you know my feelings? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was thinking about, I was thinking the whole time, like, it doesn't matter. Jillian hates polygraphs, but I'm really interested in this conversation. Right. Because he he is so argumentative about it. Yeah. That it's like, you're just protesting too much. Right. Uh, I'm going to have words with you after this is done. 
Don't be pulling shit like that on me. All right? That shit's not funny. I wouldn't be doing this if I thought I needed a fucking lie detector test. Would I? Yes. Do I feel I need it? Is this going to satisfy your fucking mind? I'm not saying you're lying, Dan. I'm just asking you. A lot of people would be asking. Uh Oh, I know that, dude. I knew that long before you asked me. Well, I'm just voicing the opinion of the audience. And I'm giving you my voice. Well, I guess that's the answer, then. Anything else you'd like to add? No. Like, he's so aggressive with this guy. Just say, no, I'm not going to take a polygraph test. Yeah, it's so Honestly, aggressive. if somebody came to me about something and said, do you want, and, and that I was innocent of, yeah. I'd be super wary of taking a polygraph test. Of course. I don't trust them. No. So, I saying no, I don't trust a polygraph test. Look at me, I'm a basket case. A hundred percent. I'm going to fail a polygraph test no matter what. Right. Like, it's a perfectly acceptable answer to say no. Yeah, for sure. But he just loses his shit on this guy. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, well, no, none of the siblings would be interviewed, and five families lived in the house since, and no one reported a goddamn thing. Yeah, remember the brother that shared a levitation experience refused to be interviewed? Yeah. Which, again, like, if you did that, I probably wouldn't want to talk. Like, right. <laughs> I believe him more. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, we got through it. We got through it. And don't bother with my Amityville horror. <laughs> Um, you guys, again, next week we'll fill you in on how the live show went. Yeah, because even though this already future. happened, we're broadcasting from the past. Yes. <laughs> you guys, if you're not on the Patreon, get in there. We are living for the jinx. Um, you know, the staircase is there. We've got all of the, the serial episodes. We're yeah. living for it. Making a murder is next. I know. It's a great time to support us and get all this amazing bonus content. Yeah. Up to you guys, you like 69 things immediately That's to download. Ridiculous. 69 things. That's unbelievable. It's insane. We're awesome. I know. <laughs> Girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsess on Twitter. And the website is truecrimeobsessed.com. That's the live shows. You can get to the Patreon from there and all our promo codes. All in one spot. Where can they find you? At Jillian with a G on all the things. I'm at Patrick Hines on the Twitter. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. You guys, next week is going to be a rebroadcast of one of our favorite episodes. Yeah. We just need a down week, you guys. The live shows, it's been a a stressful minute. You know, it has been. It really has been. (laughs) But we love you guys, so we're not going to leave you hanging. No, we're not going to leave you hanging. So stay tuned for our hilarious outtakes. You guys, this week, our palate cleanser is going to be from School of Rock because we wanted it to be from the upcoming musical Beetlejuice. Right, but it's not out yet. Not out yet, but it does star our pal Alex Brightman, Ooh. who was the star of School of Rock. Yeah, who is so un- ridiculously talented. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bye. We'll do the commercial. Commercial. Oh my god, I've had my Red Bull. I'm moving out of my Chardonnay. <laughs> the DeFeo family has to move out, and basically the Lutzes get get. Well, they the- don't move out. They all got oh, murdered. <laughs> They moved out to heaven, Julie. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> that is true. I'm not laughing about that. Those poor oh people. God. That's horrible. We're going to cut all of this yep. out. You guys, it's bananas how big the story got. There yeah. are 15 movies about it. They made it up. I know. <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom used to call me. A, she's like, you're going to be a song and dance man. You are. <laughs> and you are. Look at you now. Remember when he gets called out about the desert? Yeah. Lying about the desert, you guys. What kind of monster lies about the desert? My Amityville horror. I'm taking it from Daniel. It's mine now. 
It's funny too because at one point they talk about how like the mom talks about how like she was like at peace in the house that like women feel like a sense of calm and that the men are like terrorized by yeah. the house. Okay, Every, yeah, all men. It's so hard to be a man, isn't it? <laughs> God. We have to. Who's that? Who's at Patrick Hines on Instagram? He's a priest, so he can have it. Oh, fine. <laughs> all right. Hi, we are the School of Rock, and this song was written by. 